It's been two weeks since the Melnea Cash Recreational Community Center in Roxbury was converted into an emergency shelter for migrant families. Hundreds of beds now cover the indoor track and soccer fields where neighborhood children like 12-year-old Jeremiah Rodriguez thought he had baseball practice this weekend. We usually practice. And what happened when you went here today? Uh, they were closed. Closed to the public as dozens of families are now living in the shelter who were at one point sleeping in Logan Airport as the state shelter system is stretched to the limit. Overall, it has been uh, putting some pressure on the capacity of our system. It's okay to help, but I don't think that's the play to do it because kids and family go enjoy. As a community, voicing our opinion and our, our concerns for the youth center and the elderly programs going down there, and it just seemed like our voices weren't heard. In an effort to mobilize the community, activist Clifton Braithwaite held a neighborhood meeting at 1102 Blue Community Center in event space in Roxbury, where folks voiced their concerns. We wanted to give a, a clear message right. that you're taking away resources from not only from Boston, but Massachusetts for illegal immigrants who pay nothing into our taxes. The Recreational Center is a vital resource for youth and adult programs. The decision to make it a temporary home until May 31st for migrant families is called humanitarian and also difficult for some. I'm just looking to talk and network with other people in my community and mm -hmm. be educated by them. We care about our immigrants, brothers and sisters, right? But it has to be a fair balance. Mm -hmm. How can you tell people that was down at Mass and at Cass, Mass Ave, for over 10 years, there was no money for them, and now you found money? In Roxbury, I'm Paul Burton, WB. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 169. I think the day is February 21st, year of our Lord, 2024. Still working on the audio platforms situation. I'm not really sure why Podbean... Uh, has taken almost 20 days to to resolve what they say was a technical glitch in the automation uh, in our account. Not really believing that for one second, but we're going to get the audio uh, situation remedied as soon as possible. We're only six episodes behind on the audio platform. I'm sure that's doing uh, damage that that we can't see with the audience, but we hope that you can find the podcast and the num and the number of other places where it's available until we get that issue resolved. Look. This this video, this cold open that we started with from a, a local uh, news channel there in the, the city of Boston, local CBS news channel in the city of Boston, this this is the vision, this is the, uh, the foresight that Steve Bannon had eight years ago in prioritizing the, the black and Hispanic working class community in this country and reaching out to them and, and trying to find people who can speak to them and people who can minister to them and people who can help them understand exactly what's being done to them at a systematic level. If we want to talk about systemic injustice, you're looking at systemic injustice right there in, the, in this cold open. And I love that it was a young black kid, and even more so, I love that it was a young black kid with a baseball bat and, and, a, and a baseball glove, and he was on his way to baseball practice. Um, that that really warms my heart. I mean, it, it, it saddens me that that the uh, the government 
our federal government, the grandiosity of our federal government is undermining the meaning of community, especially for young, young black men like Jeremiah right there. Um, however, uh, it warms my heart that, that the kids playing baseball, and I'm not saying that black kids don't play enough baseball, but more black kids should play baseball. I really do believe that. In fact, I'll tell you a, a short aside to, to help understand where I'm coming from on that. Um, my great-grandfather, Louis White, it was a prolific high school baseball player here in the city of St. Paul, my, my birth city and in, in, in hometown, uh, neighborhood I grew up in, in St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota, our capital. Um, he was a prolific baseball player in high school. He still holds the, the batting average, uh, for a single season in St. Paul public schools. Uh, I think he batted 700 or 730 his senior year, which is just astronomical. He put the bat on the ball. He put the ball in play. He was a, a very good baseball player. And he was also, uh, invited to a number of times he was invited to participate with the Barnstormers. If you know anything about the Barnstormers, there were these these Barnstorm leagues all across the country where where black folks played baseball because they weren't allowed at regular facilities, parks, and they obviously the MLB had its own league, so the Negro League kind of had a Barnstorm affiliation. Um, my grandfather was so good, in fact, he had opportunities to play in the Negro Leagues and, and pursue professional baseball, but chose not to because he had my grandfather, Frank White, who is a, a Hall of Fame referee in, in the state of Minnesota, served on the Minnesota uh, High School board uh, and and is a longtime fixture here in the community. A lot of people know my grandfather and respect my grandfather. He and I have a, a difference of opinion on politics. He's uh, somebody who I think is has read into the headlines around Donald Trump and the MAGA movement versus getting di- getting in diving into the details about the policy. However, his father was a Republican. And, and I, I framed the story to help help shape um, something I, I talked about yesterday or last night on the John Fre- on DeRoyce White radio show on the John Fredericks radio network. And I just talked about how <clears throat> I play the music I play on the radio, which comes a lot from the 70s and, and what they call the oldies, the soul music, James Brown and, and Marvin Gaye and Al Green and Aretha Franklin and, and even the Bee Gees and, and Sinatra and, 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 you know, all these, these older musicians, this older music that had a sort of quality to it that, that we've just seemed to lose. And then I talked about how the process of making music from a technological standpoint uh, probably had some unintended consequences of, of losing that, that quality of sound. Certainly that quality of musicianship and, and, and sort of craftsmanship. You used to record a song on one track and and you had to be so good that you could record the whole song all the way through. Now you can play it in parts and make it sound like it's one one co- one cohesive song. Um, not to get off topic, but what I'm saying and what I was saying last night is that the advancement of technology itself and industrialization has had unintended consequences. And, and part of those unintended consequences, especially when looking at a situation like my, my great-grandfather and my grandfather, <coughs> there was a character of men that was just lost, that, that was lost by, by uh, I don't know, the, the structure of cities or the, the way that jobs were, were, were created, the way that jobs uh, worked in, in the market, uh, the, the way that, that people transported or got to and from, uh, the way that people got their information. 
And hence, me and my grandfather have a great difference of opinion in politics, and, and me and my great-grandfather would have saw things much more eye to eye. He was a Republican. And, and now look, my grandfather was the oldest of, of his brothers and sisters, seven brothers and sisters, and that kind of tells you the difference of, of the way families were, were the, the way families were built back then versus today. We have a real shortage of, of, of children, you know, um, births, especially in the black community. Uh, partly due to Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, but partly due to this sort of material and technological craze that says you should be more worried about your own life and your own happiness, right, than you are uh, the, the the servitude and the, the the duty of 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 procreation and having a child and raising that child up the right way to be a productive member of society, like they're hopefully trying to do for young Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wright here, <clears throat> although Joe Biden. And his administration and the rest of the puppet masters behind him are getting in the way for that young man and many others across the country. But my grandfather had my, my great-grandfather had my grandfather, my great-grandfather Lewis White had my grandfather Frank White, and uh, it stopped him from pursuing his baseball passions because his mother and father told him that if you had a child, you need to stay there and work and, and take care of that child and, and be with that woman and help raise that family. Uh, and, and that was just the standard then. And so my grandfather, as great of a baseball player as he was, certainly talented enough and skilled enough to, to participate and pursue professional dreams, uh, decided to just start working. <laughs> and I remember my grandfather, <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, my, uh, my great-grandfather was a patriarch of our family. Uh, until I was about 13 years old, he died uh, of cancer, and it was a, a devastating blow to the family. I remember uh, as a young child just uh, the the closeness of, of my extended family uh, before he passed and, and then the sort of chaos and, and, you know, inner family feuds and bickering and things that went on after he passed, and it was night and day. He really held the family together in many ways, and, and my grandfather used to come and pick me up, and he would take me to go see my great-grandfather who lived in the same house in the heart of the, the Rondo and Frogtown community right there on Thomas. Uh, you know, it was about a stone's throw from the Capitol. Not really. It's about seven blocks, eight blocks or something like that, about a mile from the state's capital. But, um, you know, it was a neighborhood that over the years, you know, got a little bit more dangerous, more crime, more drugs, as many black neighborhoods saw. Uh, many affluent black neighborhoods, which Rondo in St. Paul, Minnesota was. You can read about that. But he stayed in that community. And I used to come and, and I would come into his house, tiny little modest house. Um, and he'd have baseball on in the living room. And he'd be in the kitchen. And he'd be coming to and from the backyard where he had his own garden. He jarred his own pickles. He jarred his own peppers. He, 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 he tended to his own garden. Now, remember, this is the inner city. I mean, these are the type of men. This is the sacred honor that was infused in me without me even realizing it until I, I, I fully understood what was being done to American citizens and American citizenship and the black community, but all Americans. And, and now I can see so clearly that my great-grandfather was, was, the, was the epitome of, of a man trying to maintain sacred honor in a world around him that was trying to rip it from his grasp. I mean, imagine having your own garden in a little tiny single family home 
you know, that that couldn't have been, you know, that was maybe two and a half bedrooms and, and two bathrooms, right? I mean, it's just a little tiny. I, I can still see the front of it in my mind right now. It was just a little tiny modest homes like many of the Americans across this country. But he had a garden in the back. Okay, I mean, you know, this is the... This is the the sense of American citizenship and, and the nation of shopkeepers and the agrarian, rugged individualists that we've lost. And I point that out. I'd come into the house and, and you know, uh, I'd hug my great-grandfather and he'd be smoking a cigarette. Uh, he went to the bar every day in his community right there, the little watering hole. And, and um, you know, he did that until the day he died. Um, and And he was always... He was always very even-keeled, very loving, very wise. Um, never really saw him get upset. A few times I did, uh, and those were rare moments, but but uh, he was a great man. He was a great man, and we've lost a lot of that is, is my point. We've lost a lot of that in our black communities, men like Lewis White um, and um, it saddens me to see that a young man who who wants to play baseball is not being allowed to play baseball or having those those dreams interrupted by these these policies and this this wave and influx of illegal immigrants but what Steve Bannon foresaw <clears throat> from a political strategy standpoint is coming to fruition and right there in Boston you're seeing uh, a young man and his family and and the members of his community uh, stand up and and say this isn't right it's not right to let illegal immigrants come live in our communities. Even furthermore, uh, to take precedent, uh, you know, be the priority, and 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 basically uh, dominate all of our local resources that 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 our local tax dollars go to, like the recreation center, the sports complex, that not only service young men that want to play baseball and learn the discipline and sacred honor and the and the the teamwork and all the other things that that come along with youth sports, having a goal, pursuing a goal, staying committed. Not only is it interrupting that, there's a bunch of other uh, extracurricular activities that go on in the community, at the community center as well. And so black people are starting to wake up to it. Are they waking up all at once? No. Are they, you know, have they made the connection that the, the, the Biden administration and, and these policies around the border and illegal immigration are not just some, some altruistic mishap, that they're actually an intended effort to, to undermine the, the, the sovereignty and the overall uh, prosperity of American citizens, maybe they don't, they don't see it that way yet. But this is a damn good place to start. In fact, this is the perfect place to start because now they see, now they're starting to realize, now they're starting to come to grips with the, the people that are in charge, whether they be Democrat or Republican, in this case, the most likely Democrats, um, the people that are in charge don't really care about you. And even, even more accurately, they don't care about your voice. I mean, that's the real scam here. The scam isn't that they don't care about you. I mean, anybody could say they care about somebody else, but, but they're going to show the people there in Boston in those local communities, they don't want to hear their opinions. Your opinions only count if they're in line with what we're trying to do. Your opinions only count if they're in line with our attacks on Donald Trump or the Republican Party or the conservative movement or, or the MAGA patriots. Your opinion only counts if it's the opinion we want. If that opinion isn't in line with what we want, we could care less. We could care less about your, your uh, you know, about your, 
your view of things. We could care less about your hardship. We could care less about, about any of it. And that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen across the country. And I am so excited for it. I mean, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see a, a, a turn of, of the tide culturally here in America throughout black communities that start to understand what the Democrats have really done. And, and I don't just say the Democrats because it, it's the uniparty. It's the rhino establishment Republicans, and they can always call, you know, across the aisle. They can always pass a note across the aisle to get these these rhino conservatives, which I'm going to show you some of of here today, Nikki Haley to be to be exact. Um, but they can always count on them to serve as the controlled opposition and create the 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 perception of of, uh, of, of political theater, right? Uh, of politics, of, of tension. But they're working together. This this agenda, this agenda is multifaceted. It it, it has uh, it has a number of working parts, and they all contribute to the same net result. And that's why I say our priorities as a movement right now are the border, the debt, and the forever wars. The border, the debt, the forever wars. We have to close the border. We have to pay back the debt. We have to stop the forever wars. And I don't care which side of which issue any of these conservative talking heads are on. It all lends to the same net result. The net result is the value of American citizenship for a young man like, like Jeremiah there in the city of Boston. The value of his citizenship is being watered down and is being watered down consciously, knowingly, and in my opinion, intentionally. Now, I, I told the story about my great-grandfather because I do think young black kids should play more baseball. I do think young black kids should play, you know, more, a, a wider variety of sports and be involved in a wider variety of activities. And, and it, 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 seeing this story made me think of something. There is a cultural sentiment that I'm very uncomfortable with. And that cultural sentiment is that, that any of these people in this country can't be taught how to do things the right way. The, the profound lack of faith in, in human beings' ability to educate and teach other human beings how to live the right way is scary. Seriously, that lack of faith right there is, is probably what has contributed most to the downfall of this country. We don't believe that we can minister to people effectively, whether it be about God and Christ, faith, whether it be about citizenship and, and civic duty. Uh, we have lost faith in our ability to teach people who we otherwise see as, as uh, you know, unreachable. It's just a, it's a, and here's the thing. Our, the thing is, the doubt we show and, and being able to effectively teach others is a self-doubt that we hold for ourselves, really. I mean, and you may not really see it that way or understand it, but, but when we think to ourselves, ah, I could never really teach that individual or this group of individuals what it means to be American, what it means to be Christian, what it means to live with sacred honor. When I would doubt that I could effectively teach someone else how to do something, I doubt that I could learn how to do it. I doubt that I could do it. It's self-doubt. 
Self-doubt is a motherfucker. In fact, we have an epidemic of self-doubt. We don't have a, an, an, an epidemic of, uh, of, of poor education. We don't have an epidemic of, of high blood sugar or, or high blood pressure or obesity. We don't have an epidemic of, of, of COVID-19. We have an epidemic of self-doubt. Some of those things do, you know, we do have an epidemic in, in, in some of those things, but they're minuscule in comparison to the self-doubt that human beings hold for themselves uh, across, the, across this country and really across the world. We doubt ourselves. And we, it shows in our politics. I mean, it shows, it is right up in your face. It's always this talk about, you know, you could take a man, triple homicide, spends 25 years in, in, in prison, comes out, changes his life. There's also men who spend 25 years in prison and actually were wrongly, wrongly convicted. In fact, Amy Klobuchar was involved in three cases as the, 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 as the lead attorney, as the, as the lead prosecutor in the district attorney's office. She was involved in three cases where three black men were wrongfully convicted. wrongfully convicted and this is on and it, it the wrongful conviction was in the way that the the prosecution handled the prosecution they try to play fast and loose with the process because hey when we're in power and, and, and we have the 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 levers of the of the system we'll drive this motherfucker any way we want we don't care about the rules of the law that's who amy klobuchar was as a lead prosecutor that's who she is as, as a United States senator. That's who she would be as a vice president and even a president. Don't forget, Amy Klobuchar is always running for, you know, always in the mix when it comes to president. And the woman can barely give a speech without notes in the team. I mean, this is, this is absurd. My point, to back to my point, why do we doubt that we can teach people the right way, the right information, the right way to look at things, the right perspective? I can teach an infant, I can teach a baby how to swim. I mean, that's how, that's how incredible the human mind and the human instincts are. That's how incredible uh, our, uh, you know, uh, our bodies are. You know, if I threw an infant, if, if, if you've ever seen one of those classes where they teach infants how to swim in case they get, find themselves in, in, in water, if you, as soon as you watch it the first time, you think you, it, the first image is jarring. You'll see the parent just kind of just throw his kid into the water, and you know the kid will obviously you know be submerged for a moment, and and then all of a sudden, they they come to the surface and and they're kicking their little feet and they're rolling themselves over on their back and they're they're finding their way to the edge and they and they reach for the edge and they find the edge and they hold themselves up. I mean, we're talking infants. We're talking. We're talking one, two, three years old, very, very little children, little, little babies. These are babies. If we can teach babies how to effectively tread water, how to effectively deal with a, with a, a drowning situation, we can't teach people the value of citizenship. Or maybe we don't want to teach people the value of citizenship, just like we don't want to teach our children how to how to survive a, a dangerous and crisis situation, just like we don't want to have to prepare our families for the worst case scenario and have a security plan for our home, just like we don't want to be in charge of our of our own freedom. We don't want to be in charge of our own security. We would rather 
we would rather give that to somebody else. We would rather give that to the federal government. We would rather give that to a global government. We would rather give that to the military industrial complex. We would rather give that to the local lifeguard or, or whatever the case may be, right? We want to outsource our, our, our food, our nourishment, our sustenance to, to some Monsanto or, or Cargill. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. Cargill runs things here in Minnesota. If you want to know where the juice is in Minnesota, it's Cargill. And don't ever, and don't ever think, don't ever think that Cargill and China aren't working hand in hand. Don't ever think that the food, it, it, the, the people who run the food are the people who control the game. You, 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 you have to understand that. I digress. I'm going to show you another clip here, speaking of Amy Klobuchar, because, uh, well, I mean, hey, this is, uh, this is a great example. Now, I talked about this clip the other day uh, on the show, but I wanted to come back and, and show it to you firsthand for those who didn't get a chance to see it. This is on Meet the Press, MSNBC, and of course, they've, uh, they've commissioned Amy Klobuchar to come, come down from on high in her, her posh, yuppie, uh, safe Senate seat and, and talk about Joe Biden and, and uh, effectively um, vouch for the cognitive health of, of Joe Biden. Take a listen. Air Force One with the president going from Minnesota to uh, Wisconsin for going from Washington, D.C. to Wisconsin for an infrastructure project. And I was with the president for over an hour and talked about so many things, domestic, international. He was focused. His recall was good. It was the same experience that my colleagues had who met with him for hours, Democrats and Republicans, about the Mideast only a few weeks ago. Let's, let's listen to it again. I was on uh, Air Force One with the president going from Minnesota to uh, Wisconsin for going from Washington, D.C. to Wisconsin for an infrastructure project. And I was with the president for over an hour and talked about so many things, domestic, international. He was focused. His recall was good. It was the same experience that my colleagues had who met with him for hours, Democrats and Republicans, about the Mideast only a few weeks ago. Now, what she's talking about is, you know, the, the skip what she's, what she's talking about. What she's trying to reassure the American people of is that Joe Biden has no cognitive decline. That his memory recall is great. That you know he's focused. He's he's there in the conversation, and he he has the same sort of uh, you know the same sort of mental clarity that that her other colleagues have have experienced in 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 recent days and weeks. It's just bullshit. I mean, these are the people. These are the people, and I, I for the life of me, again, the the, the thing that scares me the most is the knowledge that that people in the Republican Party, who I've heard say myself, Amy Klobuchar is a great politician. She's great for Minnesota. We like Amy Klobuchar. Minnesota Republicans that vote for Amy Klobuchar, if you, if you vote for Amy Klobuchar, you're a fucking sellout. 
I mean, and you're not, and, and me and me and Professor Penn talked about it the other day, but but you're a sellout for no pay. You're paying to be a sellout. I and mean, it's one thing to be a prostitute. It's one thing to pay somebody else to be a prostitute. I mean, it's just, it's one thing to be a bodyguard. It's another thing to pay them to be a bodyguard. And that's effectively what we've done in America around the world. We've paid to be a bodyguard. Now, there's a good explanation for that, and I'll, I'll go back to that in a moment. But but when you pay to be a sellout, when you pay your tax money to to vote in people like Amy Klobuchar, who misrepresent you the way they do and lie to you the way they do, What's the, what's the benefit? I, I don't understand it. I mean, there actually is no quantifiable benefit other than the, the, the thin veneer of, I don't know, humanitarianism or, or feel good, some sort of feel good narrative that you're playing in your own head. What is the benefit? I, I, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. And I'll show you what the benefit is. I mean, I'll give you an example here uh, just to just to reiterate the, the type of people we're talking about. Um, here's a great example. This is uh, this is the uh, the great the, the what do they call them? The great one. I think they call them the great one. People aren't going to like this. I know that for a fact, but that's OK. This is the reality. When you stop wanting the reality, you stop wanting freedom. When you stop wanting the truth, you stop wanting freedom. You can't have freedom without the truth. You can't have freedom without self-governance, and you can't have freedom without sacred honor. Uh, and that's, that's, just the, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, my friends. Um, here, here's our good, uh, good, good and trusted voice of the conservative movement, Mark Levin. And his uh, tweet was, Russia is gaining on Ukraine, which is running out of certain crucial weaponry and having to pull back from areas it had controlled and faces losing the war Russia started. Is that okay with everyone? Ukraine is a relatively small country without the capacity for a large industrial e economy in which it can build the needed weapons. This is not theoretical. This is reality. NATO countries border Ukraine. And if Putin moves on any of them, then what? He has said in the past that he is eyeing Poland, Romania, and the Balkan states. This is a grave situation. Well, first off, I mean, let's, let's get back to And why did I bring Mark Levin up after Amy Klobuchar? Because they're the same fucking person. All you have to do is look at how they vote on essential. I don't care what they say. I don't care the theater they put on there in D.C. I don't care, you know, what what the the Mitch McConnell's and Amy Klobuchar's do on the on the Senate floor about key cultural edge issues, you know, like race and and, and inclusion and, and CRT and uh, no, the military industrial complex is the line. The military industrial complex is the the cornerstone of the uniparty. When we talk about uniparty politics, the military industrial complex is the one issue they all come together in come together on, or many of them come together on, and, and, and find agreement. So, you know, there's no difference between Amy Klobuchar and Mark Levin. There really isn't. And if you think there is, you, you've drank the Kool-Aid. You don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. You, you want to think that's, that how somebody presents themselves on some issues uh, makes them different than, than somebody else, but it's the key issues, right? It's the key issues that, that, that we need to look at. 
it's the key issues that we need to, you know, use to, to help define the people that we're And we can go right to the root issue in this country. It's the military industrial complex. And it's the, the sort of impetus and arrogance and, and, and brazenness to steal your money and, and give you some boogeyman to justify it. Right now it's Russia. Amy Klobuchar thinks the same way about Russia that Mark Levin does. What's the difference between them? There isn't any. There isn't any. They're going to steal your fucking money. And they're going to tell you you should like it. No, nay, you, it, it's essential. It's an emergency. This, this situation is grave. Well, what do I give a fuck if, if, if Vladimir Putin, what, the, what, what do I give a fuck if Vladimir Putin takes Poland, Romania, and the Balkan states? Honestly. I mean, let's just get down. All, let's go all the way. What do I give a flying fuck if Vladimir Putin invades Poland, Romania, and the rest of the Balkan states? Not our problem. Not our problem. The Balkan states have people. They have a polity. Romania has a polity. Poland has a polity. These wars have been fought before. They had to fight off Hitler. They had to fight off Napoleon. They had to fight off Stalin. They had to fight off. There was a Prussian empire. There was, there was a Turkish empire, the Ottomans. They, you know, they've had wars and empires in this part of the world for a long time. French to Char Charlemagne, Constant Constantine. I mean, th this is a, not a place that's new. The British empire. Okay. This is not a place that's new to military conflict and in, in, in sort of a, 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 a regional, uh, you know, a regional jump ball. Why does America have to be the arbiter of everybody else's bullshit? And why do we have to pay for it? That's the, that's the real question. And again, going back to my comment about being a bodyguard, maybe you guys want to follow people who will pay to be a bodyguard, but I'm not following people like that. Maybe Mark Levin wants to pay to be a bodyguard. Maybe Amy Klobuchar wants to pay to be a bodyguard. Maybe Nikki fucking Haley wants to pay to be a bodyguard. But where I'm from, in the small little Rondo community of St. Paul, Minnesota, if I'm going to be a bodyguard, I'm going to be the one to get paid. We're paying to protect these people. America, you, the American people, you, 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 you hold up the whole deal. It's all on your back. It's all on your dollars. You're paying. Don't get it. Don't get it confused. You will pay. And that's why I said you guys want to talk about reparations. You're paying reparations. Your pay rate, you just don't see how the money's getting siphoned off, how it's getting explained. You don't see how the line items are getting, you know, are, are getting justified. You don't see the narrative, the, the, the macro narrative, the super narrative that informs the way that they steal the money. But in the same breath that they tell you white supremacy is the greatest threat to, to, to everyone here in America and all around the world, they are literally defending uh, a colonial Atlanticist uh, political mind uh, framework. In one breath, they tell you white supremacy is the great danger of the world. In the next breath, they defend the British Empire and the Atlanticist great game that's waged on between Europe and Russia for hundreds of years. And that's how stupid they think you are. That's, that's how stupid they think you are. They think you're dumb enough to tell you two completely contradictory narratives at the exact same time. In fact, they like, that's exactly what they, they I think they mock you. I, I actually think they're mocking you. I think they laugh when they do it. I think that's why Amy Klobuchar has that stupid fucking smirk on her face. And I think that's why Mark Levin has that little fucking, you know, dweeby kind of tone to his voice. You know, over-educated, over under-intelligent, mealy-mouthed motherfuckers.
That's why Nikki Haley has that stupid looking that you know that stupid looking smile on her face when she goes up to talk to the American people. They're mocking you. And when they come off stage and they go back behind closed doors with their with their political consultants and their experts and whoever else, they're laughing at you. They're laughing at the American people. They know that they can tell you whatever they need to tell you. In fact, they tell you the most contradictory things just to see your brain split apart and you get lost in, 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 the, in the shuffle. I really think they're doing that. That's the PSYOP. Let's see how contradictory of a narrative we can tell the American people and still have them buy into it. Up is down and down is up at the same time, and, and, and you people will buy it. And then there'll be a flat earth. I mean, and I'm not saying, look, this is what I'm saying. It's all a psyop. It really is. It's a well-funded, well-organized, well-serviced psyop. They're going to tell you white supremacy is the greatest threat to freedom all around the world. Meanwhile, they defend the Ukraine, which just historically speaking, does have a significant Nazi culture in their recent history. It's like, that's not arguable. In fact, I mean, the Azov Battalion and other Nazis, it's not arguable. It, it is what it is. But even more broadly, the entire European Union and, and their sovereignty, their, their territorial in, integrity. Aren't the Europeans the ones who promulgated this colonial uh, racism all around the world? Why are we paying all of our tax money to defend them? The two things don't square by their own standards. And I'm not saying that we should we should abandon Europe because they were the 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 uh, the progenitors of, of colonial racism and, and drug slavery piracy, although the British Empire was. I'm not saying that we should abandon them on those grounds. I'm not saying that we should even consider the white supremacy thing because that's a scam. But we who is stupid enough to believe both stories simultaneously? You, you, they're in the audience. You can, you can put in the comments, oh, I'm not stupid, and I'm not talking to you. If you get it, you get it. But the broad American populace obviously doesn't get it. They obviously don't see it, and that's what we need to do. We need to get through to them. Hey, wake up, wake the fuck up. Why do I care what happens to Poland or the Balkan states or, or Romania? I can have an opinion. I can feel the way I feel about it morally and ethically. You know, I, I can I can think about about the 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 conflict uh, from any number of, of 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 viewpoints. But when push comes to shove, why do we have to pay to be a bodyguard or a bouncer for the whole world? I'll tell you why they want to pay. They want to pay to be the bouncer. They want to pay to be the bodyguard. They want to pay to be the arbiter of all these geopolitical issues because it justifies using the United States dollar as a tool against people who won't bend to the agenda. That's why they want to pay. The only reason you will pay to be a bodyguard at a local bar or at a local nightclub is because you think the access to that club or or bar is more valuable than the money that you're paying. It's an investment to you. And that's exactly what it is. We are invested in being the world's police. 
We are invested in being the bodyguard of the post-World War II democratic liberal order because the post-World War II democratic liberal order hedges on America's dollar being the reserve currency and thus being entangled in everybody else's issues and ultimately vulnerable to the ebbs and flows of the international community which it shouldn't be, which it doesn't need to be. It could be sovereign. It could be independent. It could be self-sufficient. It, it could be built on, on a base of American manufacturing and ingenuity. And all these people who set it up this way, like the Mark Levins of the fucking world, they, know exact, they knew exactly what they were doing. But they'll talk about the Constitution. I don't buy it. How can you say you're a constitutionalist and pretend to be this great patriot but you're involved in, a, in an ideology that obviously undermines the integrity and, and sovereignty and overall prosperity of American citizens. What does it serve us? <clears throat> what does it serve us to fight a, a, a 10 to 20 year, an, an, another Cold War with Russia? What does it serve us? The Europeans have dealt with dictators before. <coughs> In fact, the last time the Europeans dealt with a dictator, they had to lean on the Russians to help save them. And that's just a fact. And the Russians, now here's the, I mean, the pendulum swings both ways. The Russians had to deal with a dictator too. And it seemed that Hitler had a, had a hard-on for the Russians, and the, you could say it was the Bolsheviks or communism or whatever you want to say. doesn't really matter to me. There's, all, there's always been a, a subtle rivalry culturally between the Slavic nations and the Germanic people. It's, it's an ancient, ancient rivalry. Okay, That area is a fault line. Bottom line. That's a fault line. End of story. They've been, they've been rivals there since time immemorial. It is what it is. But Russia had to fight off a dictator, too, and good for them. And we helped, and, that, and, and World War II was what it was. World War I was what it was. That's not the point. The point is, we're on the brink of World War III, and it seems that nobody's really that interested in peace. Isn't that strange? Isn't it strange that you at home are going to be the, the, the victim or the, 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 you know, the, the recipient of the bill that comes due to send your own sons and daughters to go die? For an idea of, of, of somebody else's, some elite, posh, yuppie, mealy-mouthed motherfucker from some Ivy League university? Doesn't that seem like a bad deal to you? What does it benefit us? Now, I don't actually believe that Vladimir Putin has plans to, to invade Poland, Romania, or the Balkan states whatsoever. I'm, I don't believe that. And if he did then you, you take that into consideration and deal with it at the time. You don't want to start, you don't want to start <laughs> going to war to prevent wars that didn't even happen yet. Okay? That type of preemptive mentality, scary mentality, that's how shit goes sideways really quick. Uh, I thought they were going to... It's like a cop. I mean, Mark Levin is your average fucking trigger-happy cop. It's a perfect example. I mean, I got no notes. This shit's just coming to me in real time. It's a perfect fucking example. Mark Levin is your scary, pencil-dicked, uh, uh, trigger-happy police officer. Seriously, that's who he is. Oh, I thought he's. Oh, I saw a video of a uh, you know a, of a military man. It was actually pretty sad. 
uh, a veteran uh, who was serving as a local police officer had an acorn. He was on an arrest or, you know, he was dealing with some type of situation. And I believe he had a, a suspect in the back of his cruiser already. And an acorn dropped on the top of his vehicle as he was walking past it. And he thought that he had been shot. He thought that shots were fired. And he actually thought that he was shot. And so you see in the video from a, a, a POV camera, his, his body camera, that he ran from the cruiser, started to somersault or roll as to avoid the, the gunfire. And he rolled across the street a little bit. You know, he kind of rolled uh, you know, into the street and he opened fire at the back of the cruiser. At the back of his own cruiser that, that a suspect was in. Now, I don't know if you guys understand what I'm telling you, but there has something has gone gravely wrong with policing if you have a suspect in the back of your cruiser and you still believe that there's some way possible he has a firearm and could shoot at you from the inside of the cruiser. Something's going wrong with policing, and I mean gravely wrong. How could I possibly get you into my cruiser before I have checked and, and, and been assured that you have no weapons or sharp objects? I mean, this is basic stuff. And I may have the story wrong, but what I do know is that a police officer resigned because he thought that he heard gunshots or that he had been shot. It was not gunshots. And, and as a consequence, he shot several shots at the back of his own police cruiser with a suspect in the cruiser. <clears throat> Imagine you get arrested today for any number of arbitrary reasons because you're an American fucking patriot just for being MAGA, for being Christian. I mean, you could be arrested. Imagine you get arrested for exercising your freedom of speech, for criticizing any of these uh, international governing bodies, let's say, without getting specific because we'll have our episode pulled off on YouTube. Imagine you get arrested for any number of, of, of freedom of speech, freedom of expression, uh, Second Amendment type of issues. Imagine you get arrested, put in the back of the cruiser, and a police officer has, a, I don't know, a mental breakdown, has a, a lapse of judgment has a, a a purely evil intent, all of which could 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 happen. And while you're sitting in the back of the cruiser, compliant, remember now we say, oh, you should have complied. If you complied, none of this would have happened. And remember, 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 we talked about that about ten episodes back. This this whole conservative idea that if you comply, you don't you don't need to worry about anything. Well, imagine you comply and you're sitting in the back of the cruiser. And an officer that, that's in charge of the, the, the traffic stop or, or whatever the situation is, the officer on the scene, shoots at you in the cruiser from behind. What the fuck has happened to this country? But that's who Mark Levin is. He's a trigger-happy little cuck. That's who he is. That's what he's talking about there with Russia. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Vladimir Putin could invade Poland. He could invade Romania. He could invade the Balkan, Balkan states. So, so we, we got to keep the, the war raging because he could. See, that's all a lie. And, and just like I have the, the sense that, that, that the police officer didn't really thought, didn't really think he, he had been shot. I have this 
intuition that, that that's not that's not true. I also have this intuition that that Mark Levin has has no no real belief that Vladimir Putin intends to invade those other countries. He doesn't believe that. So he's actually pretending to be a trigger happy cuck, which is even worse. I mean, if you're a trigger happy cuck, I get it. If you're pretending to be a trigger happy cuck for a political expediency or for some political agenda or for some agenda whatsoever, that is evil. That that is actually evil. That's a level of sinister that is uh, that is uh, almost unconscionable, and it exists. It exists. We all know it exists. And what's scary, most of all, just like I said earlier about Amy Klobuchar, what's most scary to me is that that just like Republicans in Minnesota think Amy Klobuchar is great, there's tons of conservatives all across the country that listen to Mark Levin every day and they think he's the greatest thing ever. I mean, you people have to be fucking retarded. And I'm going to tell you, you're fucking retarded. You don't like that? Go fuck yourself. This is the reality. The border, the debt, the forever wars. Close the border, pay back the debt, stop the forever wars. If you're, if you're on the fence about that last issue, stopping the forever wars, you're out. Some of you have a problem with that because some of you are wishy-washy about the, the forever wars because some of you are still living by this, this, this boomer con doctrine of, of, of Atlanticism. You know, we don't care. Look, I don't give a fuck about Poland. Let Poland deal with Poland. Let the Balkan states deal with the Balkan states. Let Romania deal with Romania. The Romanian government has enough time to, to, to you know, wage some fucking, you know, seven, eight month long case against Andrew Tate for prostitution or sex webcams or whatever the fuck it is. They got a lot of time for a lot of shit like that. Let them get themselves ready for a war. Because it appears that one could be on the horizon. I'm not saying Vladimir Putin won't. I think the Russians have dealt with a lot of aggression from NATO, to be quite honest. And, and what they decided, to, look, who are we to say? And, and I'm going to show you Nikki Haley here to end. And it is, this is the perfect example of the mentality I'm talking Who are we to say that these people are, are murderous thugs and these people are, are degenerate or these people are evil or these people, when they kill somebody in the, in the interest of their own national, uh, you know, their own, their own national prosperity. I mean, de doesn't, isn't it kind of unsettling as an American citizen when I sit back and, 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 and when I sit back and accuse somebody else around the world, whether they be a, a political leader, whether they be a lo local tribesman or whoever it is, for doing something in their own interest, but when we do it in our interest, totally fine. I mean, the hypocrisy, see, and that's the arrogance. That's the spiritual pride I've been trying to convey. And, and we have to get clear about it. And, and we got to get fucking clear right fucking now. This is, the, this is the, the, the red in our moral ledger. This is the problem with our, with our ethics, with our code of, of conduct, with our code of honor. This is the problem with our, our faith, our, our spirituality, our, our sense of righteousness and truth. And this is why we've had freedom undermined the way we have. This is why we've accepted leaders like Amy Klobuchar or Mark Levin or Joe Biden or whoever the fuck else. This is why we're in the problem we're in. It's not everyone else's fault. It's the same fucking way with sports. 
it, it, when we lose a game, I'm an athlete. The first thing I think is, what did I do? What could I have done better? If I'm a coach, the first thing I think of is, what, what, could, what, what could we have done in practice that could have better prepared the team? I don't get to start making excuses. Oh, them and them and them. Those people aren't going anywhere in life. Those people are fucking losers. They've always been losers. They're always going to be losers. What did we do? What can we, we can control us. We can't control what Vladimir Putin does. We can't control what, what Poland and the Balkan states and, 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 you know, and, and Romania, we can't control what they do. We think we can, we're arrogant. We believe we can control what they do, but we can't control what they do in the end. We can control us. Or let's say we have a, 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 a much higher degree of control over us than we do over them. And that's why government is best local. That's why government is best small. Government is best humble, modest. Control what you can control. But we've built this Leviathan where we have the, the obsession with controlling way more than we, than we can. And it shows. Control what you can control. And so we, we, we get to saying, you know, well, the Russians are murderous thugs. The Vladimir Putin's are murderous thugs, a uh, murderous thug. And it's the same conservative, it's, it's the same conservatives that I see online talking about black people who commit crimes, to be honest. I can't tell you how many conservative motherfuckers I see posting videos of some horrific, violent crime that is obviously horrific and violent and evil, but they, they, they won't mention George Bush. Who is George Bush? Is George Bush a violent? So you mean to tell me, <clears throat> you mean to tell me that if I walk up to a man with a, with a nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol and I shoot him in the head for whatever reason, could be self-defense, could be some long-standing feud, could be some gang violence, could be uh, I just lost my fucking mind today and I just, you know, shot the guy because I'm, I'm evil, I'm demonic, I'm possessed. And there is a lot of that out there. So you mean to tell me that guy is, is more, uh, I don't know, more of a, of a, more of a thug than, than George Bush or, or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton because they, they give their orders to, to kill people and blow people up at the press of a button and they never have to see it or deal with it? Or how about the people pressing the buttons? You do realize, I, I hope you realize that the, the number one suicide, the, 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 number one, um, the number one position in the military for suicide, uh, suicides in our, in our veteran community are drone operators. Do you think there's a correlation between the, the, the remote proximity uh, and, and, and the, the spiritual and human intuition of, of death and the loss of life and, and mental health conditions or mental illness? psychological turmoil. You think there's some correlation? I think there's some correlation. You know, maybe we should spend some time investigating that. Why, why are the drone operators, why are the drone operators committing suicide more, more than any of the other veterans? Because when you take technology 
when you when you take murder, when you take killing, when you take war, and you industrialize it through technology, there are unintended consequences. There are spiritual consequences. There are psychological consequences. There are cultural consequences. Before we even get to the political consequences. Tell me y'all don't want to hear this shit. I know. But we're coming down to the wire now. I I would be a fucking coward. I would be a loser. I wouldn't be a patriot if I sat here over the next nine fucking months and let the Mark fucking Levins act like they care about this country because they've been around for a long time. Who gives a fuck? In fact, the longer you've been around, the more we should question you. I'm just going to throw that on out there. The longer you've been around talking that same run-of-the-mill status quo shit, the more we should fucking question you. That goes for Joe Biden. That goes for Mitchell McConnell. That goes for fucking, you know, uh, Mika Brzezinski. That that goes for, you know, uh, Victoria Newland, all of them. Klaus Schwab. The longer you've been around doing this shit, the more we should question, what, what, what actually have you contributed? What are you responsible for? I'm 32 years old. I mean, I'm 10 years into being an adult. I, I just started being able to drink legally a decade ago. Okay, I'm not responsible for this shit. I, I, I know that much. Now I'm not going to start blaming everybody else. What I'm trying to do in my young adult life is figure out what can I do? What can I do better? How can I better minister? Well, better minister, I, I don't think I could minister better than, than, than John F. Kennedy. I don't think I can minister better than Martin Luther King. I don't think I can minister better than Malcolm X. I don't think I can minister better than Steve Bannon. I don't think I can minister better than Alex Jones. I don't think I can minister better than a lot of these people that, that came before me. I can't do a better job of telling it to you uh, eloquently and educated and full of the facts and information. What I can do is I can motherfuck you better than all of them. Because I, I don't give a fuck about the pleasantries. <clears throat> That's who I am. That's why I'm the hatchet man. If you think Mark Levin is a legitimate political commentator, fuck you. Go caucus with the Democrats. Go party with the rhinos. Go give your money to the Ukraine. Go die there in the Ukraine. Go fight the Russians. If you're so fucking obsessed with the war in Russia, go die there in Russia. You go fight. Mark, Mark Levin sends your fucking kids to the front line there in Ukraine or Poland or Bal the Balkan states or Romania or whatever you think is next. Yeah, are we okay with this? <laughs> That's the question he has. Is, is that okay with everyone? <coughs> when Mark Levin asks, is, is Russia's advancement or uh, Russia's strategic defeat of, of Ukraine okay with everyone? Uh, do you think that he means you? <laughs> when he says, is that okay with everyone? Do you think he means you, the American people? Do you think he's talking about you, the little guy, the little platoon? Do you think he's talking about the the young man Jeremiah who's taking his baseball bat up to the up to the the local recreation center and being turned back because they have it filled with illegal immigrants? Do you think he's talking about about you? 
you the American people, you the the local farmers there in in, in western and in, in northwestern Minnesota who are being overrun by the by the monopoly of big corporations like Monsanto and Cargill. You think he's talking about you when he says, "Is everyone okay with this?" No, he's talking about the other back scratching academic intellectual elites scientific managerial cosmopolitan globalist that's who he's talking about are all of you okay with it he's making more of an international statement because he's a fucking globalist all these neocons and and, and you know and, and military industrial complex shills are globalists they're just globalists of a different variety yeah they don't have that we are the world climate change is the biggest threat you know sort of a kumbaya to the way that they talk in their commentary Theirs is more of a, you know, a bulletin brawn type of approach, but it's still the same net result. And you have to understand whether you see these artsy, posh, yuppie, sort of uh, cosmopolitan, theatrical, uber theatrical, you know, humanitarian globalists from the left or these hardline military industrial complex globalists from the right. They're the same group of people. They are the same group of people. It's the same Net result, they're going to take your fucking money. They're going to take your money for universal health care. They're going to take your money for, for universal basic income. They're going to take your money for, for universal security needs. Oh, it's going to be oh so universal. Oh, your, your prosperity is going to be oh so universal. <laughs> the benefit to you is going to be oh so universal. Universal surveillance. We're going to surveil you all around the fucking universe. We're going to take you to Mars. We're going to surveil you there. I mean, this shit is getting out of control. It really is. It's, it's obnoxious. It's obnoxious, and it, it, the lack of common sense, the lack of honesty in it, the lack of, of genuineness in it is, is almost repulsive. No, it's not almost repulsive. It's, it's repulsive. I wake up in the morning, and I have this sort of dry heave effect. Now, maybe it's my acid reflux, but, but I tend to think when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I'm grateful. I'm like, whoa, woke up again. That's a blessing. But I start to think about the day and, and the things that we're faced with and how to minister appropriately. I'm repulsed by the people who I know are lying. I actually am. It's actually, it actually makes me physically sick. I hope you feel the same. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to show you this Nikki Haley clip because I, I, I mean, if you talk about them mocking you, there's not a better example of you being mocked right out in the open than the Nikki Haley and, and, and some of the things that, that she says on a daily basis. Then let me let me tell you, let me let me help you understand something. <clears throat> People wonder why Nikki Haley hasn't dropped out. They're stealing money. In my opinion, that's my opinion. My opinion is the people that put Nikki Haley up to run for president are still able to raise money. There's still money to be had. There's still money to be taken. And that's why she hasn't, hasn't you know, dropped out of the race. They're stealing fucking money. And just because she's 30 points down doesn't mean that she can't raise any money. She's raising money. She's raising big money. Not only is she raising money from, from uh, the American people out there, some of the American people who actually believe this story that Donald Trump isn't going to be able to run because of his legal issues and blah fucking blah, bunch of cowardly cuck motherfuckers. Not only is she able to raise money from them, small dollar donations, but even more importantly, there are a number of, of big donors out there who still want to give money to Nikki Haley just because they don't like Donald Trump. <clears throat> and although it may not get her, you know, uh, over the hill, 
may not get her over the hill in terms of her presidential ambitions. It's surely enough money to siphon off with a bunch of fucking barren robbers. <clears throat> and a lot of these political campaigns have become barren robbing expeditions. That's what they are. That's why she goes up there with the stupid fucking look and just says things that are completely detached and tone deaf to what the American people say they want. And she's going to keep doing it. And they'll keep finding people to, you know, to, to file into her, her speeches and whatnot and cheer. You know, <clears throat> now she's getting fewer, fewer cheers than ever from the, from the genuine crowd of, of American people. And they'll start putting some actors in there to make it seem, uh, you know, reasonable. Because it's nothing. I mean, it's nothing. You know, when you see a Nikki Haley pop up at a local coffee shop and she's talking, I mean, how many, you think it's hard for the, for the, for the Republican neocon uh, establishment to, to file in a couple, couple uh, hundred people to make it seem like there's, there's some support for Nikki Haley? I mean, the level of, I mean, when you see Erdogan, when you see Erdogan on stage at an outdoor event, what looks to be hundreds of thousands of, of, of Turk, Turkish people cheering when he says Crescent versus the cross, that's a real fucking constituency. Now, are all of them willing to die for their beliefs? A lot less than you would think, I'd say. I mean, when push comes to shove, we always succumb to, 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 to our fear of the unknown, the possibility of death. A lot of people do. So just because you get a million people together at a rally isn't, isn't a show of, of exact strength. But they have to pay people and beg people to come act like they support Nikki Haley. Nobody really fucking supports Nikki Haley like that. You know, she doesn't have any broad popularity or, or, or backing. The only people that back Nikki Haley are the voters who still hate Donald Trump, the voters who believe some cockamamie narrative from CBS that Donald Trump's legal issues are going to you know, keep him from being able to run an effective campaign or, or the donors and special interest groups that are involved in the fucking scam. And there is a scam. This is why she won't leave the race. But I don't even, but, and, and see, I don't give a fuck about who wins. It's not about Donald Trump being up 30 points in the poll in South Carolina. I, I'm happy about that. That's a good thing. I'm happy that he's going to win the primary, it seems, in grand fashion. But the more important thing is, who are these people? Who are these people and what the fuck are they up to? What are they doing? That's what's important here. We know Donald Trump's going to kick her ass in South Carolina. That's a foregone conclusion. Why are these people so hell-bent on, on, on a Fugazi? What, what is it? I mean, what benefit is to them? Well, we know it's the money. But there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else because a lot of these people already have the money. You know, and it's like, you know, you take a little pay to, 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 to do Satan's work and it's kind of like a, a, a square deal, right? Yeah, if I'm going to do Satan's work, I'm going to take a little bit of, take a little moolah, you know, on, on the side, on top. But, but there's something more sinister happening here because a lot of the people we're talking about, they already have money. They don't need more money. Sure, there's greed and there's, you know, there's radical materialism. And if, you know, how much you have, it's like you can never have enough. But, but come on, there's a level when you're the, the CEO of LinkedIn. There's a level where it's not about the money. There is a spiritual decay. There is a, a, a worldview at play here. There is a, a, a philosophical rot in these people.
take a look here at this clip from CBS. I mean, this is military industrial complex neocon shit. Here we go. Store even placed Republican frontrunner Donald Trump has not denounced or even placed blame on Vladimir Putin for the death of Alexei Navalny. And that led the former president's opponent, Nikki Haley, to blast Trump and question why he hasn't called Putin a, quote, murderous thug. The mm. former U.N. ambassador made some news today about her place in the race for president, which is days to go until the South Carolina primary. Here's CBS's Caitlin Huey Burns. I'm not going anywhere. On the verge of losing her home state primary, Nikki Haley is defying calls from Donald Trump to drop out of the race. I feel no need to kiss the ring. I have no fear of Trump's retribution. Pledging to play on through Super Tuesday, Haley slammed Trump as unelectable. He's gotten more unstable and unhinged. He spends more time in courtrooms than he does on the campaign trail. He's so obsessed with his own demons from the past, he can't focus on delivering the future Americans deserve. And in a rare emotional moment, Haley spoke about her husband, Michael, deployed overseas with the National Guard. I wish Michael was here today. And I wish our children. And I could see him tonight, but we can't. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. There's not a. What more could I say? I mean, if you believe that kind of shit, you deserve to be. You deserve to be a serf. You deserve to be a slave. You deserve to be surveilled and and and, and oppressed under the fourth industrial revolution and all of this AI social credit score shit they got on the way for you. You deserve it. You get the government you deserve, and the fact that a Nikki Haley is even still in the race and has a 33 percent, uh, uh, you know, support in her home state of South Carolina tells us a lot about South Carolina. Okay. You know, y'all can talk about the inner cities of motherfucking Minneapolis and Chicago and New York city. All you want. They got a big fucking problem right there in South Carolina and in the Republican side of South Carolina, in the Republican constituency of South Carolina. I think it's abhorrent that the people of South Carolina even like Nikki Haley. I don't think that 35% of people should. In fact, I'm, I'm such a disbeliever in Nikki Haley. I think that the polls are, I'm starting to think that the poll is a fucking scam. I'm starting to think that the 35% is a fucking scam, but maybe not. And those, these are the questions we got to ask. What the fuck is going on in South Carolina? That 35% of the people there can't see through this shit. It's that obnoxious. It's that ridiculous. You're going to call Vladimir Putin a murderous thug. Why? Because he feels that there's something that he's willing to die for, something he's willing to kill for. We have things that we're willing to die and kill for and what? We call ourselves heroes? I mean, there's no sense of, 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 of sacred honor in it. I mean, it used to be that if you had an enemy at war, there's kind of an understanding. You're going to fight for what you believe in. We're going to fight for what we believe in. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to sit up here and, and create false equivalencies and, and, and create, you know, a, a sort of, sort of a, a broad judgments against other people's character and morality, it's a, the pot calling the kettle black. If Nikki Haley was president and, and, and she gave the orders to, to, for a drone missile strike or, or for a ground invasion or for whatever the fuck else, you know, she, she cooked up in that little squirrel brain of hers, if she was the one doing it, she'd justify it. 
She'd call it heroism. She'd say it was necessary. She'd say it's defending democracy. It's, it's, it's for freedom. Well, the Russian people have their own idea of freedom, too. And the Romanian people have their own idea of freedom. And Poland has their own idea of freedom. And the Balkan states have their own idea of freedom. And Iran has their own idea of freedom. And, and the Sudan has its own idea of freedom. And South Africa has its own idea of freedom. And, and China has its own idea of freedom. And the list goes on and on and on. Everybody has their own ideas. The question is, what common ground can we come to? And not a superficial common ground based on bullshit identity politics and kumbaya. Is there an actual universal truth out there that we can use to find common ground? And if we can, maybe we do have to fight a war. Maybe it's a war to the death. Maybe it's a battle to the death. Fine. But if it's going to be a battle to the death, I damn sure don't want the Nikki Haley's in charge. I damn sure don't want the Mark Levin's in charge. I damn sure don't want the Joe Biden's in charge. I damn sure don't want the Bushes in charge. I damn sure don't want the Carl Roves in charge. I damn sure don't want a good long laundry list of people in charge. The Victoria Newlands and the and the Keegans and the and the and the Klaus Schwabs. I damn sure don't want them in charge. I damn sure don't want Greta fucking Thunberg in charge. I damn sure don't want a lot of people in charge if it is gonna be an all-out battle to the death. Because even in a battle to the death, even in a war. There are spiritual ramifications. There are spiritual consequences. There are things beyond the outcome of the war, just like there are things beyond the outcome of the election. There are things beyond the outcome of the politics. There are things beyond the outcomes on paper. And when you lose sight of that, when you lose sight that there is more to existence than the material results on the physical plane, you've done much worse than give a country away. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio, powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGate.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us, help us fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Go to FreePeopleRadio.com, find out where you can watch and listen to the podcast. Obviously, the audio platforms are down currently. We're doing everything we can to, to pressure them to give us answers about why uh, our distribution has is, is been, been uh, halted uh, for the last five episodes. Uh, we have not received any communication that it's a matter of censorship or something wrong with the content. We had perfect, uh, you know, we have a perfect uh, service in that regard from the audio platforms up until this point. But it's not it, it it's not beyond me that 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 could be uh, a contributing factor. Um, we're working on it as fast as we can. We're only about six episodes behind, so I hope people have had a chance to come to YouTube. If you watch the podcast on online, I think there's a certain effect of watching it uh, visually as well. If you can't and you have to listen to it on, on on the audio platforms, we apologize. We're doing the best we can to get them up as soon as we can. Um, come to YouTube and listen to it if you need to. I mean, most, uh, most, most situations, you, you know, you can, you can listen to YouTube and just listen to the audio uh, just the same as on Apple or, or Spotify or whatever the case may be. So maybe what I'll do is just for the sake of, 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 uh, just for the sake of, of, uh, availability and accessibility, 
maybe we'll put the podcast on SoundCloud as well from episodes one through 168. We'll put them all up on SoundCloud just in case the audio platforms ever, ever uh, go down. Uh, you can go to SoundCloud and, and listen to the the podcast. The thing about SoundCloud is I think they, I, I believe um, they they put a limit on on how much memory you can use or bandwidth you can. I think there's a bandwidth limit on SoundCloud. So we'll have to check into that. But but we're trying to solve the issue as, as quick as we can. So But you can go to freepeopleradio.com and find out where you can watch and listen to the podcast. You can visit our store and buy merchandise related to the podcast. Go to RoyceWhite.us for Senate. Sorry, go to RoyceWhite.us. That is my website for the, the Senate campaign against Amy Klobuchar. Uh, make a small dollar donation if you can. Uh, we're going to have campaign merchandise on the site coming up soon here. We got caucuses here in the next week uh, in Minnesota. So if you're in Minnesota, make sure you go into the caucuses. Tell your friends to go into the caucuses. Become a, a MAGA delegate. Become a Donald Trump delegate. Become a Royce White delegate, an America First delegate. Become a delegate for uh, a delegate for your own citizenship and the value of your citizenship. We got caucuses coming. We're going to have some campaign material that that we put out maybe by the end of this week <clears throat> and early next week um, to give information about caucuses and and, and uh, give an update on on the, the status of the campaign. Um, this is a pivotal moment in American history, so we appreciate your viewership and your listenership today and in the future. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.